All right, everybody, welcome to this very special episode of Locked on Avalanche. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see on the screen Katie Gauze from Altitude TV, the latest addition to the Avalanche family, is joining us uh, right before the season gets started. So much to get to with Katie, so why are we waiting? Let's jump right into it. Your Locked on Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to this special episode of Locked On Avalanche. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. That's always appreciated. You can follow us on our social media platforms, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked On Avalanche on Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, and opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. And follow us on our YouTube channel over on YouTube. Hit subscribe. You can get notified when a new show goes live. And like I said in the beginning, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Katie Gauze from Altitude TV is joining us. She's the rinkside reporter. Going to be following the Avalanche all season long. The jealousy is high over (laughs) here anyway. Uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. This is great. Awesome. No, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate the nice introduction there. And as you said, you know, couldn't really be a better team to work for and to cover right now. So I am very excited about this upcoming season. Kind of felt left out with all the cup stuff. I got there right when they won and I was like, I didn't really do anything. So now I want to be a part of it for real. Really excited to start this season with a team that looks pretty sick. Well, you got that's I mean, you got hired like during the playoffs. Was it the Stanley Cup they were in? Right. Yeah. So I flew out here during the Western Conference final and my first official day of work was game one of the Stanley Cup final. So I'm pretty sure no one could ask for more than that. (laughs) And as a reporter, all of the good things. um, It was great. But you know, I tell people this because I don't want anyone to think I'm a complete bandwagoner. Mm -hmm. I did apply for the job and kind of get hired before the regular season was over. So in theory, it wasn't like I just completely jumped ship and was like, hey, they're going to win the cup. I want to go there. (laughs) So I had a little bit of a a little bit of a kind of a time period where I was, you know, still, you know, just trying to figure out where I was going to go. And uh, and it worked out really well. Timing wise was pretty good. Perfect. Now, and even if you did bandwagon jump, I would have done the same exact. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it makes it more fun. So. Uh, we're going to get to a lot. We'll, we'll talk about the avalanche stuff in a little bit, but we kind of want to, you know, get to know you and kind of like the listeners of, uh, the Colorado avalanche, um, and kind of like your background and history with hockey. I know, like, interestingly enough, I was looking up like where you worked before you went to SUNY Geneseo. Yes. I went to SUNY Cortland. Wait, no way. My yes. husband went to Cortland. Really? Yeah, that's a yes. small world. Yeah. Oh my goodness, because no one ever knows what SUNY is. No, SUNY and Cooney. Yeah, nobody really knows. But yeah. uh, I don't like, because Geneseo is more towards like the Finger Lakes area. So, I mean, they're, they're like right outside of Rochester. Yeah. And Cortland's like just south of Syracuse. So they weren't too far away from each other. But... No, I played field hockey there. And actually, we used to play Cortland and get our butts kicked all the time because they were so well, good. Well, that's the thing. Like, all the SUNY schools are known for like their each their thing. You know what I mean? Like SUNY Oneana is like you're going there if you're like teaching. Mm-hmm. Portland was phys ed. Yeah, you're going to so they had a lot of jocks there. A lot of jocks, uh, really oh, yeah. good. I know there's like the Cortica football and all of yes. that. You know, I loved it because they didn't have a football team, so hockey was the number one sport, which I was totally happy with because mm. that's all I care about. But you were into the sport 
long before you got there, right? Yeah. Correct. So I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally, and I grew up playing. I, I told you know everybody this when I got the job, but I started in figure skating, and it took me about five seconds to realize that I hated it and wanted to be <laughs> hitting the guys and playing hockey. So I've played growing up in Pittsburgh. My whole family is a hockey family. The reason I went to Geneseo is because my dad actually played hockey there as well. So it's all hockey all the time. Um, but I switched to field hockey when I was in high school because they didn't have girls hockey yet. So even in Pittsburgh, it was still not quite there. Um, but I've loved the sport my whole life and having played it just kind of made it a natural transition for me in terms of becoming a broadcaster and wanting to focus on hockey as well. So I covered the Ice Knights. And then while I was at Geneseo, I was working for the Rochester Americans, the AHL team of the Buffalo Sabres. So I was getting my pro hockey reps in, that was in 2013. So it's been almost 10 years now in the mm. hockey industry and i have been everywhere from erie pennsylvania to chicago to obviously south florida and now out here so it's been a journey but it's been hockey 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 the whole way and i really wouldn't have it any other way i was gonna say is that was that the plan to do hockey or do you just want to get into broadcasting or specifically into hockey yeah it definitely specifically hockey so my first job out of college was working in your EPA, just in local sports. And so I was just literally a sports anchor on the weekends and an MMJ reporting on sports throughout the week, covering everything, mainly being in Eastern PA or excuse me, Western PA mm. uh, was covering a lot of football. And while that was all really good experience and being in a newsroom and all that good stuff, I knew the whole time I was like, oh man, I just want to be doing hockey all the time. And thankfully Erie had the otters and I actually got to cover um, what is it, Dylan Strom, Alex Dabrinkit, some really solid players mm. out of the OHL. But it was just like every time I had a hockey assignment, it was the best day of the week. So I figured, okay, let's just do this full time because I love all the sports, but hockey's the passion. Yeah. And I'm better at it, you know, be good at one thing or, you know, be good at, be good at everything or what, be great at one thing. One thing. And right. that was kind of my mantra. Like, I just like hockey so much more than everything else. <laughs> We're with you there. <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of like the background and the story. And when I got the job out of Florida, I was actually running media for the USHL, um, which is the top tier junior league in the United States. So, you know, there's players now that I get to cover as an NHL reporter who I had when they were little kids and, and juniors. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of one of my favorite parts of this job is being able to say, like, I've kind of covered all the levels and I've gotten to watch the progression of the players, which is to me really cool. And... PA represent, by the way, yeah. you had your SUNY moment. So I'm Northeast PA. So yeah. okay. uh, there you go. Um, but you talk about falling in love with hockey. What was your moment falling in love with the game of hockey? What was that, that light bulb moment where you're like, this is, this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my it's life. The greatest sport ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for sure. I think it's kind of like twofold, right? So there was like the hockey itself moment, like where I knew I wanted to play it. And like, I was always like a huge tomboy. So like for me, like figure skating was such a mismatch. And my brother had actually already though, he was younger than me, but he had already started playing because my dad had him in skates like two years old. And I had to work to convince them to let me play. But it was just being in the rink and like spending all that time there. Like I still am a rink rat. Like I just love being in a hockey rink. I don't care what I'm watching. It's just something about the atmosphere. The community of hockey, you know, I know all sports can be small worlds, but I truly believe hockey is the smallest of them all. And I love that 
everywhere I've ever gone and every team I've ever played on or watched my brother play on, you know, people, and it's really cool to mm -hmm. constantly be connecting and have that, that camaraderie around one sport. But from the broadcasting standpoint, um, in terms of like actually being like, Oh wow, like this is going to be my career, you know, cause you can love a sport, but you don't necessarily do it for your job. I was fortunate yeah. enough to love hockey. And then when I got at Geneseo, the radio broadcast was like, Hey, we're kind of thinking about adding a sideline reporter. And I hadn't done anything at this point. So I'm thinking, okay, sure. I don't know what to expect, but the moment that I stood between the benches and did my first interview and felt that like adrenaline rush and being there, like that close watching the game, mm. I just knew like I was hooked on the feeling of it and, and immediately just knew like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so that was kind of like my aha moment. It's crazy to think the first time I did it, I already knew it, but I, it's really true. I remember calling my mom and being like, I just had the best night of my life. And, <laughs> and I got the internships and the pro experience. It just kept getting better as I went on. Right. Yeah. And you're lucky enough to do it for your career. That's awesome. So, yes. and, and most of your jobs that you've had are East coast, right? Like, Correct. so was coming out West calculated was it something that you wanted to do was it just something was it avalanche or nothing like or were you looking at other spots on the west coast what was the decision behind that no for me it was legitimately just career opportunity and like wanting to like knowing i wanted to make a move i loved my time in florida and working with valley sports um but the other girl who does what i do she had been there a really long time and is amazing and became one of my best friends but also I knew that as long as she was there doing that, I was kind of always going to be a little bit blocked and mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to add hosting and just, just continue to grow. Right. I mean, you don't want to plateau in your career. You want to always at least have the opportunity to try new things and to move up. So I just started looking for anything anywhere. Of course. Yeah. NHL hockey, you know, but any other yeah. regional sports networks, I was really kind of willing and ready to go anywhere. And Anybody that works in this field will tell you, you have to kind of be okay going anywhere. Yeah. You know, I got lucky in my first job being near home in Pittsburgh, but, you know, then Chicago and then Florida. I mean, you have to be kind of okay with the fact that at least when you're getting established, you're going to have to travel and you're going to have to make it work. And so when this opportunity with Altitude came up, the sideline reporting, all the road trips, all the hosting, working on like the sports betting show they have, You Bet Tonight, and getting to add that to my resume. There was just a million different things that made it a good career move. And, you know, the place was kind of secondary, but mm. the team being sick definitely helped. <laughs> yeah. It was certainly something I thought about, no question. I mean, I've worked for long enough that I know how much better your job can be in this field when you're covering a good team, right? Like I, I've, sure. I've, I've had the other side of it. I know it can be a lot harder than this. So having only positive things to say and good stories to tell is certainly a blessing when you're a reporter, but no, honest to God, it was really just this opportunity without this was so great. And then the crew they have, I mean, the guys I get to work with, they're amazing. Mm. Uh, and it was kind of just a no brainer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that I think a lot of people forget is a lot of like broadcasters and reporters, the team that they're covering isn't necessarily like their quote unquote favorite team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, and it'd be so difficult for me. I'm lucky enough to cover my favorite team. So, but like, right. if someone came and was like, hey, you know, we have a, a job to, to cover 
you know, the Minnesota wild, I would be like, I don't know if I can do that, but if right. it betters your career, you should look into it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of tough being in that world growing up, having these favorite teams. And if you want to get into the industry, it's a very real possibility that that's not going to be the team that you cover. Yeah. I kind of learned early on in the career that you start to just become fans more of like players and stuff because hmm. they travel around kind of a lot, just as much as you do. So you, you start to know players that you like, but when you're working in this every single day, not that you ever get like sick of hockey, but you kind of get to a point where you almost aren't a fan by default because like you're just surrounded by it constantly. That you don't feel like a fandom. You feel a part of it, which is why I've always really enjoyed working, you know, like closely with teams as opposed to being just a completely outside media member because you know, you definitely can build relationships better and it helps you, you know, you're not like a fan, but you're rooting for them because them, if they do well, you get to do well. Like your sure. job is better because of the way they do. So I'd say that I cheer for teams, not necessarily out of fandom, but out of knowing that their success means my job is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's end this uh, segment with a, uh, a lightning round of questions going to be thrown at you. Uh, so maybe you get to, to know a little bit more about Katie Gauze. All right. So cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Hot or cold? <laughs> what? Cold. Specific dogs or no? What do you have? A specific oh, dog? no. Like, I'm obsessed with dogs. And gradually, I actually worked at an animal shelter for a year and a half getting my master's degree. And I was using that job just to kind of like kill time. But I'm obsessed with dogs. I have a rescue. He's my buddy. His name is Henry. Um, and anyone that follows me on Twitter or Instagram knows that I'm just basically <laughs> always talking and posting with them. So that's like uh, part of my core identity. <laughs> is is a, a, uh, having a dog in tow. Love yes. it. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, or Disney Plus? Depends on what I'm currently binging, but I'd hmm. say overall, mostly Netflix. All right. Roller coasters or water slides? Well, water slides. Uh, pineapple on pizza? Not personally. No, oh, no problem man. with weird toppings. It's just not my thing. <laughs> really? Okay. Because I'm fine with it. I'm a big pizza person, though. Having gone to school in upstate New York, I know what good pizza is all about. So if anyone <laughs> has any great Colorado recs, please send them my way because I'm spoiled. Now, in Genesee, it was the cold cheese pizza thing there. It's I'm, just like real it, hot, it was, hot regular it, well, it was a thing, but I like when it comes to food, I guess I answered your question and I said cold, right? But that's more <laughs> like what I would want to be temperature-wise. Like when it comes to food, I want everything super hot. <laughs> Well, the cold cheese pizza is just a regular slice of hot pizza. And before they give it to you, they throw just cold mozzarella on it and hand it to you. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm, yes. I've never yeah. tried that, but oh, yeah. let's do it now. Uh, favorite holiday? Probably Christmas because that's like the one time that I usually get to see my family and everyone has a little bit of a break because most people in sports don't get other holidays. That's true. That's very true. Uh, favorite movie? Step Brothers. <laughs> Oh my God. Really? I actually no. use this question when I interview players and do rapid fire. And every once in a while I get one of them saying that. And I immediately hit them with the, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> so that I, I like to watch that movie a million times and never get sick of it. It's one of those that never gets old. Yeah. I'm well, a anything, massive. Legitimately anything with Adam Sandler. I love him. <laughs> You're a Sandler fan. Too. See, I'm a Will Ferrell fan. I could anything with Will Ferrell. I am Both. all for it. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Um, favorite ice cream flavor? Mm, cookies and cream. Okay. Or I can get cake that with that. batter. 
See, I don't like the cake batter. It's a little bit too sweet for me. It depends. Cookies I usually okay. Oreos in the cake batter and it kind of <laughs> uh, All-time favorite athlete. Oh, my goodness. Wow. No, one, no one's ever asked me that. Probably. Well, I feel like I'm going to answer this and then think of another one later, but. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, love him. <laughs> you gotta like him. I mean, like you were saying yeah, earlier, I personalities and stuff. People I know, like I just like it's more about personality. Like I could care less right. like what you actually do on the ice. If I've met you and I've interviewed you and you were awesome, that's usually like enough to win me over. Like Mackenzie Weaker, huge fan. Yeah, like, just the best guy. <laughs> yeah, no, Fleury definitely is a likable guy. Or anybody um, that was on the 1980 Olympic team, because Miracle is <laughs> probably my second favorite movie. <laughs> oh my god, never ever ever gets old. And they no. did such. I was such a skeptic when that movie was coming out. I'm like, there's no way that they're going to do it justice, and they completely oh, they did. did. So good. I worked it. at Total Hockey in high school, and one of the only movies we were allowed to play on a loop was like Mighty Ducks and Miracle. So I can mm. like quote the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and finally, I was going to put you in a corner here. Avs or Panthers? Oh, no. Come on. I'm not going to make it. That was more just reactionary than anything. You've but. got the reaction for sure. I've got, like, I can think of like 10 people on Twitter right now who would absolutely roast me if I didn't <laughs> Panthers. But no, I mean, you got to go with the team you're with. It's uh, got to be Avs, right? There you go. All, in. all right. All right. <laughs> Uh, perfect. All right. So, uh, let's hear from built bar and then we will, uh, get into current avalanche stuff. The team that you are covering. Um, well, here's another, one. do you like marshmallows? Only when they're with s'mores. Like I like making s'mores, okay. but I don't necessarily just like want to eat a marshmallow. See, yeah. Uh, uh, Kyle and I are split on this. Kyle's a marshmallow fanatic. I am not. Yeah. But Built Bar, if you haven't had Built Bar before, they make these, they're uh, the best tasting nutrition bar on the market. And they have these things called Built Bar Puffs, which are nutritious marshmallows, believe it or not. So they have a uh, brand new cookie dough chunk puff. It's a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein so go to built.com use the promo code locked on 15 to get 15 percent off of your order once again it's built.com use promo code locked on 15 for 15 percent off of your order Okay. Um, yeah. So you are uh, <laughs> fully entrenched with the avalanche now. Yes. Um, and any trade secrets going on from, from you to coach Bednar about the Florida Panthers, anything that he should know about? No, but I mean, you know, what's great is, and I've been already telling everybody I'm so excited about this because our first, so for altitude, because of TNT getting national games, we aren't actually broadcasting the home opener. Oh, so our right. first broadcast of the year is in Calgary where I will be going and seeing Two of my best pals, Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> For me, I'm like, like planning out all my stories and like my in-game hits. And I'm just like, I've got the insight on this one. Like I can yes. give them every Weger Huberto thing they need to know. Um, <laughs> I actually just even tweeted out. I said, I'm doing some scientific research today for an upcoming story. Who would you rather have on your team, Huberto or Kachuk? Because I'm really curious to hear what people think. And right now I'm pretty sure all the Panthers fans are – 
voting up and picking Kachuk. But sure. I'm looking forward to seeing those two guys. And I think it's going to be a really interesting first game because both teams are coming in with, you know, a lot to prove. The Avs being defending champs and Calgary just being what seems like poised to be better than ever. So that game to me, to be the first broadcast, is about as good as you can get. It's yeah. pretty intriguing stuff. Are between you- Audrey storyline, the new guys yeah. on the team. I mean, that's it's gonna have a lot of uh there's a lot of emotional drama in one game just to kick things off. And do you, can you tell something about, like, you mentioned you're joining the team, like, Stanley Cup game one. Mm -hmm. Is there something about the Denver buzz, the vibe, the way that just the entire city embraces this team? Can you tell there's this constant buzz going forward from what you experienced day one on the job in the Stanley Cup into this next season? Oh, 100%. So even before I was officially like clocked in on the job, I came out for the Western Conference final and got to see some of the games at Ball Arena. And I literally looked to my boss and said to him, oh my gosh, I've never experienced anything like this. It was awesome. I mean, that atmosphere, I genuinely had chills the whole game between just the way they watch games was really awesome for me, being a person that really appreciates all the nuances of the game of hockey. They are not just watching this game and cheering when a goal is scored. They're cheering for good plays. They're cheering for all the little details, like killing penalties and things like, I mean, just things that you realize, okay, like these are real fans. These are hockey fans. These guys aren't just here to like cheer on a team and like have a good time. Like they love this game too. And so for me, you know, having spent the last few years in Florida where things are just different. It's not a traditional hockey market. You are getting a, you know, a more different mix of fans who maybe just don't know the game as well. It doesn't mean they're not good fans. It's just a different way of watching. Um, coming out here, I was like, oh man, I'm in heaven right now. This is a really cool opportunity to be covering a team. And as a reporter, it's neat to know that your fans understand the game more because it allows you to explain it, you know, in a better way, you know, that you don't have to dumb things down. I mean, you can really dive into it. So I can tell that there's a really cool following here. Actually, I told someone this story, my first week living here, they had given me like an ass hat just as like a welcome package. And I went to like TJ Maxx and was just like waiting in line. And someone started immediately talking to me about abs hockey. Just because you own the hat. Just because of the hat. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they have no idea like what I'm even out here. <laughs> it just started conversation-wise. I was like, oh, here we go. But right. I, you know, I've never really had that happen as much in Florida. So it was a really cool experience just to be like, again, of course, you know, it's the it's the playoffs, it's the Western Conference final, cup final. There's more attention than ever. But still just to have people, you know, constantly engaging and talking about Avalanche, like that was really, really awesome and got me pretty pumped up for you know, what kind of fan base I get to work with now. And that's, you know, uh, that's the difference in the fan base. Is there a difference between the teams, between the Florida Panthers and how they prepare compared to how the Avalanche do with their coaching staff and Jared Bednar? Is there any like glaring differences between them? You know what? I'd say actually there's really not a ton because, I mean, nowadays the NHL, it's such a well-run, I mean, like it's pro hockey. I mean, there's Mm. so much detail and so much focus and, I mean, between like the strength and conditioning and the nutrition, I mean, everything is a science at this point because you've got, you know, you've got these high level athletes. You have to be completely like, you know, professional and dialed into the way you're approaching every day. What I'll say is really cool and has been similar is the way they practice. 
Uh, even at even at training camp, I said right away, oh my gosh, they're going 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, this is full speed ahead. And that's how they practice because that's how they play. Panthers were the same way. You know, these are practices where you're like, whoa, I'm tired from watching that. Like, yeah. these guys go full speed. And that's their identity. That's their game. So for me, I actually think it was a kind of an easy transition in terms of team identity. You know, I'm not going from a fast Panthers team to a trap team that locks right. it down and tries to win by one. Like These guys are high offense. They've got incredibly skilled moving D. So in terms of that, it was actually a really easy transition <laughs> and a lot of similarities. Yeah, you, you can easily see that in the way these two teams matched up last year. And it's something we talk about all the time was that the Avalanche oh, – panthers game like we talk about it as like our favorite so one of the good. year oh i know i remember standing along the sidelines and watching it and i was like oh my gosh this is crazy and obviously the cats lost um yeah. but it was just like the game was never over like it didn't matter yeah. what the score was and that was the panthers identity all year was you can be down four goals in the third and you're not out of the game but the way the two teams just constantly go back and forth like there was just too much skill on both sides for anyone to ever feel safe about any score. And it was so fun to watch. It was one of those games, you know, I think it was in December, if I'm mm-hmm. uh, mistaken, not mistaken. It was one of those yeah. games where you were like, okay, let I want to see this seven times later on in the year. It <laughs> really everybody was. everybody did. I mean, all, all season long, they kept, you know, touting that this could be the best final ever. And mm. unfortunately, just the Panthers being that they are still getting the experience needed to take those next steps, which is, I mean, really, truly another similarity to the avalanche in terms of that second round hump for the Panthers. It was round one. And then, I mean, everybody I, I'm running into Tampa in the second round. is just not fair. <laughs> but, you know, that's yeah. the way it was. And they are they were definitely still learning lessons because even the series against Washington with the Cats should not have gone the way it did. It should have been a much easier mm-hmm. road, but they're still learning what playoff hockey looks like. And the Avs were kind of a few years ahead of that, of having mm-hmm. already gotten the heartbreak and having learned what it takes. But yeah, I think anybody would have been down for for seven of those. Awesome. And I mean, truthfully, Tampa delivered pretty well as well. Absolutely, no, that was great. Um, uh, one of the big things, obviously, in Avs camp is is who's going to be the two C, and it seems like it's going towards Alex Newhook. Mm-hmm. Um, did did you get any sense that you know with, with Nazem Kadri leaving, um, that there was any like dwelling on that, or was it just that that was his decision and and they picked up and just moved on pretty quickly? Yeah, no, I I didn't feel like there was any dwelling at all. I really think it was one of those like, you know, good for him. We won the cup. You know, we all got what we wanted. Right. And him, you know, when it's a contract year. I don't think anybody can blame somebody for striking when the iron is hot. He right. knew what he had. He had a career year. It was amazing. And I think anybody in his position would have done the same thing. So there was certainly no animosity whatsoever. I also don't think there was any dwelling because the team has kind of constantly said how confident they are at being able to win as a group and, you know, replace guys by committee and just kind of, you know, band together and fill those roles. Cause I mean, Burakovsky again, you know, he's a big piece that you lose too. But again, it's just one of those like next man up mentalities, which is kind of the same way that you're successful in the playoffs because everyone knows there's going to be injuries. And so having next man up, they just kind of carry that over from what they did in the playoffs to the off season of knowing Kadri wasn't coming back. And I think the moves they made are kind of interesting bringing in like Rodriguez, like they're 
they're making it clear that new hook is sort of being given this, this chance and he's done everything to earn it by proving himself as he's taken these strides playing, you know, full seasons in the league. But at the same time, they're not putting too much pressure on him by bringing in a guy like Rodriguez to help with support. You know, he looks like he'll be the three C, but there's, there's just a lot of options. And I think that's kind of the nice thing is that this ads team is just so confident with who they are overall as a group that everyone's just like, yeah, wherever they need me, like nobody, they're not like, Oh, I want to be the two C because I want to be, it's right. just, I want to help the team and wherever right. I can be and wherever I can play my role to be the best for this group, that's what they want to do. And right now it's new hook. You know, I've seen a, a lot of different articles coming out about how people really think this could be a breakout year. Like he could be a surprise player taking the next step. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the opportunity. And so far he's, he's looked good. Do you but feel like his, still everywhere? Yeah. And, and talking to him, to, to Alex Newhook, do you feel like his confidence levels there? Oh, absolutely. The first thing right. I asked him at camp was, you know, you you're getting the first crack at two C like that has to boost you up right away. Like knowing mm -hmm. they came into camp and were immediately like, Hey, you did a great job. Here's your chance. We're rewarding you to be the guy they go to automatically, especially at his age, like where confidence and the mental game is still a huge part of things. I think that gave him a huge boost and he's been kind of like flying around off that high. Yes. I think I interviewed him in preseason and even said, I was like, you're flying around. Like you're yeah. killing it right now. And he's like, thanks. But he really <laughs> is feeling good. And so hopefully that good feeling just carries over because so far, you know, he's looked really good uh, with the options that they've given him. So to start. And you mentioned the win as a group mentality. And as Chris mentioned, like the confidence um, aspect of everything going into this camp and approaching this season. This is the first year the Avalanche will be the defending champion. They've never had to experience this. Do you feel any kind of extra weight or intensity or what's the vibe like? How are they approaching that this year? Because that's a question mark a lot of Avalanche fans have. How will this team react to being the defending Stanley Cup champion with a bullseye on their back? Do you feel that kind of pressure in the locker room and how they're approaching practices and training camp? Yeah, no, for sure. It's a really good question. And that's one that I asked every single guy that came into our room on media day, because it's like one of the first things that you think of, like now you've got that target, you're the measuring stick. Every team wants to give you their best game, yada, yada. I mean, there's a million different cliches for it, but it's true. And it warrants asking. And every single guy almost had like an identical answer that it's not about them it's just about us which is like a total hockey cliche but i mean right. i do genuinely believe they feel that way um i think they're looking at it as a cool challenge and i think a great way for them to also measure internally like okay if we're getting the best games it's going to be great for us to measure ourselves the guy who actually gave me my favorite answer for this question wasn't on the team last year. It was Evan Rodriguez. And I asked about being on a team, you know, that is defending that title and, and coming in with extra pressure. And he goes, I think it's a great thing because it gets you ready for the playoffs. Hmm. You know, if you coach yeah. all year and you're not getting hard games, maybe you're not quite as ready and, and as, as, you know, geared up for that, that start. And everyone knows, I think the first round is the hardest, just no matter who you are. So I really liked that he gave that answer because I think it's true. If you're getting the best game all year, then you're certainly going to be ready for whatever teams can throw at you come postseason. Yeah. You say the first round is the hardest and all the Toronto Maple Leafs fans are just nodding their head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other big story for the abs is obviously the goalie situation. So um, anything that you're noticing about that, like Georgiev, uh, I think both these guys in the preseason have had ups and downs. 
the last game that the, each of them played was very good. So that's good. You want to do that heading into the regular season. Right. Um, but just kind of like the, the mindsets of them two and the abs regarding the, uh, the goalie situation. Yeah, absolutely. So the first impression immediately is like how hungry Georgiev is. I mean, when you ask him about it, he's like, I've wanted to be the starting goalie my whole life. Like that's my career goal is to be the guy. And from what I've heard and talked to some of the different coaches on the staff about, he's one of the hardest working goalies they've ever had within their system. So that's awesome to hear that he is like out here, not just, you know, showing up and being like, I want this job. Like I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I get it for him. I think what's been interesting and he's addressed it as well is that it's a very different system. He's working with a totally higher quality of defense overall, just from, you know, from top to bottom, obviously the Rangers, you know, have Fox and there's some skill guys, but now he's got this incredible decor. That's just going to be a, a, a pleasure, I think, for him to work with. But they are different. And so he's talked about having to learn little tweaks, understanding the way that their system is. And conversely, talking to the defense, they've had to adjust to the type of goalie that he is as well. They talked a lot about how he is not similar to Kemper, who would more be big and swallow up pucks and not be a big rebound guy, whereas Georgiev really likes to kick pucks out. He's a Mm. a lot more active. He's said he kind of considers himself more of like a Lundqvist-esque style goalie, which is very different. And so that's something that everyone kind of has to adjust to. But in terms of, you know, just the situation and the tandem, you know, I think Rensos is is just as hungry and wants to be sure. you know, wants to be the guy as well. So healthy competition, I guess you can kind of say that. I think we see it a lot in the league where guys, you know, they're they're, they're both skilled and they could both arguably make a case for their starting position. But I do feel that it is Georgiev's net to start, and he is going to be given the first opportunity to own that position. Um, you know, Francois has done a, such a good, I mean, better job than anyone really as a backup. And you look at his playoff performances I mean six and oh he never lost I mean that's incredible mm. but I think you bring in Georgiev and the part of him wanting to come here and re-sign here was he was given a promise in a way of like this you're at least gonna get the chance like you're gonna have the first crack at it and yeah. so I think he's going into it with that mindset and it's kind of his net to lose and I mean sure worst case scenario you've got two great goalies that are sharing it which is not a bad spot to be in at all <laughs> not at all yeah, especially when there are teams in our own division that don't even have one that they can hold <laughs> up to. Yeah, the, so, the carousel was weird this year. There's some interesting uh, tandems right now. Oh, yeah. And the teams that missed out on the carousel, you're just, you kind of scratch your head. So, yeah, it's a good problem to have. And I, I, I really like hearing about this positive energy. And like you've talked about, like the goalie tandems, and you've talked about the, the vibes. What about what we refer to as the three headed monster? What's the vibe around them going into this season? Uh, what do we expect from Nathan McKinnon? Is this like he's got the contract, he's got the cup. What's next for Nathan McKinnon? What's feeding him this year? Oh, absolutely. I actually, like, ironically, was the first person to get to talk to him about his new contract because we were at the golf tournament and the news broke. And we're all just like, we're yeah, all just out here yeah, talking. Right. They dropped this bomb on everyone. <laughs> I was like, hey, Nathan, can I chat with you about the golf tournament? And then at the very end, I was like, oh, by the way, you're the highest paid player in the NHL. How's that? Um, yeah. His immediate reaction was very Nate 
esque and just I'm just glad we got it done before. The oh season. yeah, I'm yeah. sick of hearing about it, and I know everyone's <laughs> going to ask about it if it's not done. Which again, you can see that in a lot of guys, but. Um, I think what's driving him is just what's always driven him. I don't think it's changed. The guy loves winning. He, they've all said this, right? Like they want to win again. Like, okay, you won. Why do you want to go back to back? The feeling is addictive. And they all use that exact same word, like winning and getting to go through those experiences and those emotions and, and that type of success as a team. I mean, they, they want to do it again. I think there's an added fuel because Tampa did it. Like, oh, you can do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it better. Let, let's do three, right? I mean, they couldn't do that. So these guys are ultra competitors. And to even get to this point, you just have to have like this hunger for you know, success because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have gotten to the level they are. They wouldn't put their bodies through the training every summer. They wouldn't take two weeks off and get right back to work in the shortest off season, basically of all time, I believe it is. Mm. So I think there's just the 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 testament to the type of competitors that they are and the fact that they love to win and they want to do it again. It's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah. And, and like watching guys like him, like Nathan McKinnon and Cal McCarr, like up close in practice and you know, right where you do your job. Mm-hmm. Are there moments where you're just like Am I in the matrix or something? Like this yeah. is just like other well, I noticed it during the Western Conference final because I was getting to see McKinnon going face to face with McDavid. And I was like, holy, this is like <laughs> heaven right now. I've never seen speed like that. And TV mm. doesn't do it justice. Um, the only ever time I've ever had like a moment like that was the first time I got to watch Crosby play and skate right full up first close, which pretty much makes sense because McKinnon strives to be the exactly. Crosby, their yeah. best friends. I mean, it just like, he is like, he's modeling his whole career trying to be just like him. So um, when you see that type of skill, I think it was when he was going like 90 miles an hour and moving his hands faster than I could even <laughs> keep up with. And I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't even be able to do that. It's crazy. But again, like they're obsessed with getting better and they're obsessed with being at that level. And, I mean, they they pretty much dedicate their entire every breath to it. So, you you know, you kind of can't be surprised at the same time when you know the work that goes into it. It's it's incredible to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so far, anybody that's been like favorites to to interview on, uh, on the ad, yeah. uh, I, I'm in my head. I feel like you're going to say one specific person. But is there anybody that. Uh, that you and you know what overall it seems like the avalanche are a pretty welcoming team to the press i was just gonna you know say I mean? that and i mean for yeah. me like i was so spoiled to have spent three years with the panthers and had the relationships that i do where i felt so comfortable and they were just i mean they truly were an amazing group and of course you have your favorites but i even said this right after media day because it was basically my first chance to really meet them <laughs> oh my gosh these guys were so nice not one person <laughs> Not one person was unwelcoming, uncomfortable, you know, unapproachable. It was truly like considering what I was coming from. I, I I had like a really high bar in terms of teams and what I expect from guys. And they actually met it and exceeded it. I mean, it was a really great group. That being said, I would say right now, some of the favorites in terms of just like initial interactions, Logan O'Connor, super nice guy. Okay. Bo Byram is amazingly fun to chat with. Okay. Only one I haven't gone to to actually interview yet is um 
is EJ and Landy, like one-on-one. Those were my only two. And I know EJ, like personality-wise, yeah. is probably going to be a favorite because I see him on social and what he did with the cup and the slip inside. I mean, he's <laughs> like a... He seems like a great one, but I haven't even gotten my first one-on-one chat with him yet. Um, that was my guess. Yeah, I, I kind of, when you said that, I was like, I bet it's EJ. Yeah. <laughs> he's great. I just haven't gotten my chance to chat with him yet. Um, but I mean, legitimately, super great group. But I even asked somebody about it. I was like, well, this guy's like, these guys are great. And someone told me, you know, Landy expects high character guys. Like he, he demands hmm. it. And he sets that standard himself. So like there aren't jerks because he doesn't allow it, you know? And that's another reason why I feel like they have success because there's not, you know, egos. And that's a huge part. When you've got a team full of this much skill to not have egos floating around the room and to be on the same page is pretty impressive. Captain being a captain right there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's nice that, you know, that, you know, you don't have like a, a John Tortorella floating around the room that if you ask a question, you're like, oh, is he going to rip my head off for this one? No, oh, I know. Yeah. And I've been yeah. lucky as a reporter too. I mean, over the course of my career with, cause coaches are the scariest <laughs> for sure. Um, because they're the ones that you have to talk to the most. And so if you get a coach who's tough like that, that's like a headache every day of your job and like a stressor, you know? Um, so for me, like I've had to, you know, I, I worked with Quenville all those years, unbelievable pro, like one of yeah. the best guys I've ever, ever worked with in the AHL. I had a great coach. So, you know, and now with Bednar, incredible. So it's really, really uh, nice to walk into a room or to have, a, you know, a walk-off interview and not be like, Oh no, like everyone's good. It's, it's great. The hardest part is just when the guys are euros and you know that there's going to be a little bit of a language barrier, right. especially when the season starts. Cause they just spent the whole summer speaking <laughs> their native language and they got to re remember all the English, you know, terms and stuff. But sure. Everybody's been really good. That's good. <laughs> um, and if I don't ask this question, um, I might be sleeping on the couch tonight. Um, what are the chances that you could get a meet and greet uh, for my wife to meet Gabriel Landeskog? <laughs> I'm still new here, so I'm working on uh, my uh, connections and 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 the, the amount of the, the amount of pull that I have. But you know, I, I'll certainly keep that one in the back of my mind. And right. I'll do my best. <laughs> Landy is great, so I yeah. mean, I think he's he's a pretty friendly guy. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, so far, right. I haven't really gotten uh, all my connections completely dialed in, but you know, right. the first step is becoming friends with the equipment managers. That's that's how you really get your way in. Yes, I've that over the years. Yes, yeah, I, I did my job. I, I just asked yes. the question. Yes, you, so. you check that box. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, all right, Katie. So, uh, yeah, I you know, congratulations, Thank welcome you. aboard. Although you've been aboard for a little while now. Um, <laughs> But uh, really, thank you for for doing this. Good luck this year. Um, And then we'll probably uh, reconnect after the season's over and look back on how everything went. Hopefully we Um, have some fun new Stanley Cup stories to tell. That would be great. That would be great. Um, Why don't you throw out there where people can follow you? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Katie underscore Gauze and on Instagram at Katie Gauze 58. Awesome. Yeah. Have a good season. We will definitely be watching. And, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and making this your first listen of the day. For Katie Gauze, Mr. Kyle Shaggy Von Doom, Sullivan, I'm Chris Maselli, and this is the Lockdown Avalanche Podcast. Thank you again, Katie, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Thank you, guys. Go, Abs, go. Go, Abs, go.